This is Dr. Edward Gaber. This podcast is on COPD. COPD is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and it is the fourth leading cause of death in the United States. It causes around 120,000 deaths annually in the United States. Worldwide, in 2015, 3.2 million people died of COPD. Approximately 16 million people in the United States have COPD. From the 1980s on, it was noted that women were twice as likely to die from COPD as more women were smoking in the years prior. Smoking is the greatest risk factor for developing COPD. The smoke irritates, inflames, and narrows, and often obliterates the small airways of the lungs and also causes deformity and dilatation of the tiny air sacs, alveoli, of the lungs. Because of the air sac dilatation, chest x-rays may show hyperinflation, a narrow heart shadow, flattening of the diaphragms, and tapering of the peripheral lung blood vessels. Very large holes in the lungs called bulli may be seen. However, the chest x-ray may show nothing in 50% of COPD patients. Barrel-shaped chest, marked tympani on percussion, diminished breath sounds, and especially distant heart sounds are noted on physical examination. Patients are often anxious and leaning forward to breathe better and can't talk in long sentences. Most smokers develop a combination of chronic bronchitis and emphysema. Primary emphysema, which is emphysema alone, manifests as a patient who looks like a pink puffer with more normal oxygen levels, but with shortness of breath. Primary chronic bronchitis patients look like a blue bloater with a productive cough at least three months a year and more blueness because of cyanosis with low oxygen levels. These patients are more likely to get chronic hypercapnia with elevated blood gas PCO2 levels and an elevated serum bicarbonate level suggesting a metabolic alkalosis compensating for their chronic respiratory acidosis. And also more likely to get right heart failure and right ventricular enlargement, also called core pulmonale with pulmonary hypertension. Asterixis with jerky movements of the hands is occasionally seen in hypercapnic patients. The chronic cough really produces more than two tablespoons of mucoid sputum a day and is worse in the morning. Chronic bronchitis with increased mucus production in the small airways can occur initially without airflow problems and can start as early as the mid-30s in smokers. These latter patients are not considered to have COPD yet. Similarly, one can have emphysema and no COPD as they may have no airflow obstruction early on. Other risk factors for COPD include asthma, occupational exposure and air pollution, especially in developing countries that heat their homes and cook with wood-burning fires. But eight out of 10 COPD patients have a smoking history.
course of the disease. Once COPD develops, patients have progressive deterioration even when contributing factors are eliminated and maximal treatment is given. Everyone loses 35 cc's per year of their FEV1, which is the volume of air one can exhale in one second. COPD patients lose 50 to 100 cc's of their FEV1 per year. With over-secretion of mucus and more bronchospasm, higher yearly losses can occur, especially in smokers. Weight loss is common in advanced disease, and edema of the legs occurs in patients that have low oxygen levels or high carbon dioxide levels. High carbon dioxide levels or low oxygen levels can cause morning headaches and fatigue, sleep disturbance, and high blood counts. Patients are often not aware they have COPD until it's moderate or severe. Morning cough or a recent pulmonary infection may be the first sign. Shortness of breath with excessive activity or a productive cough are often the first symptoms noted. Shortness of breath occurs when the FEV1 falls below 40% of predicted. Elevated carbon dioxide levels do not occur until the FEV1 is less than 25% of predicted. If symptoms occur before the FEV1 is less than 40%, the patient may have a low DLCO, which is the ability for oxygen to diffuse across the alveolar membrane into the adjacent pulmonary capillary blood vessels. Wheezing may not be heard with COPD exacerbations and just diminished breath sounds on auscultation are noted. An FEV1 over FEC percentage of less than 70% of predicted or less than 80% of predicted after a bronchodilator is evidence of airway obstruction. The GOLD, Global Initiative for COPD, recommends pulmonary function tests before and after a 400 microgram inhalation of albuterol, or about four puffs of an MDI albuterol inhaler, to exclude asthma and to evaluate airway hyperreactivity. If the FEV1 or FEVC increases 12% after bronchodilators, there is airway hyperreactivity or asthma. If the airflow obstruction is completely reversed, the patient has only asthma. If the airflow obstruction is only partially versed with bronchodilators, the patient has a combination of COPD and asthma. So patients can have all three, chronic bronchitis, emphysema, and asthma. If a pure asthmatic gets a productive cough, it is called asthmatic bronchitis. Staging. Gold stage 1 or mild COPD is greater or equal than 80% of predicted FEV1. Gold stage 2 or moderate COPD is 50 to 79% of predicted FEV1. Gold stage 3 severe COPD is 30 to 49% of predicted FEV1. Gold stage four, very severe COPD, 
is less than 30% of predicted FEV1. And all stages show an FEV1 over FEC ratio of less than 0.7. Acute respiratory failure. Acute respiratory failure is when the PO2, which is the oxygen level, drops by 10 to 15 millimeters of mercury from baseline, or there is an increase in PCO2, the carbon dioxide level, associated with a blood pH of less than or equal to 7.3. We don't use peak flow meters to judge the degree of airflow limitation in COPD. Peak flow meters are only used to help asthma patients objectively decide the severity of their wheezing. COPD exacerbations. COPD exacerbations are triggered by smoke exposure, viral or bacterial infections causing bronchitis or pneumonia with or without sepsis, by aspiration from gastroesophageal reflux, by pulmonary emboli, by angina, arrhythmias, congestive heart failure, pulmonary hypertension, or pneumothorax. Pulmonary hypertension worsens when oxygen levels drop, and low oxygen levels can occur with left heart failure, sleep apnea, or COPD, or other diseases of the lungs. Studies show patients with COPD exacerbation have a 22% chance of pulmonary emboli at the time of their episode. Differential diagnosis. COPD symptoms most often begin in the 50s or older, when a patient has been smoking over 20 pack years, which is one pack a day for 20 years or two packs a day for 10 years. If a patient gets COPD if they're under 45 years old, alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency or cystic fibrosis should be considered. But alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency accounts for only 1% of COPD patients. If a patient has a cough that generates over two tablespoons of sputum per day and or clubbing of the fingers, bronchiectasis should be considered. COPD must be distinguished from heart failure, pulmonary emboli, interstitial lung disease, lung cancer, and vocal cord dysfunction. If there's loud strider heard over the trachea, the vocal cords must be examined. Vaporinephrine inhalation is used for tracheal strider. In rheumatoid arthritis patients and in patients with inflammatory bowel disease, bronchiolitis obliterans should be considered. Bronchiolitis obliterans and cystic fibrosis are not classified with COPD, even though they have airway obstruction. Asian males with chronic sinusitis may get a chronic panbronchitis with a lot of mucus plugging. The combination of sleep apnea and COPD can be devastating, and sleep apnea must be diagnosed and treated. Depression, GRD, osteoporosis are very common in patients with COPD and must be diagnosed and addressed. Treatment. 
smoking cessation, of course, influenza vaccination and pneumococcal vaccination, pulmonary rehab, teaching proper inhalation techniques for inhalers, teaching about albuterol rescue inhalers help. We add long-acting bronchodilators with either hypertropion anticholinergics or a beta-2 agonist in patients with a history of COPD exacerbations or moderately severe symptoms. This will improve lung function and decrease the frequency of exacerbations. We add inhaled corticosteroids in patients not controlled with just bronchodilators. We use triple therapy with moderately severe COPD not controlled with the above by using inhaled long-acting beta agonists along with the inhaled anticholinergics and the inhaled steroids. Patients with high percentages of eosinophils, the white cells that indicate allergies or evidence of asthma, will most likely benefit from steroid inhalations. Dalaresp is added for patients with chronic bronchitis who continue to have exacerbations on triple therapy. Zithermax daily is added by some physicians for patients with continued exacerbations on maximal therapy. We don't use long-term Zithermax in patients with hearing difficulty or long QTC interval on their EKG. Oxygen treatment is given to hypoxic patients Patients with oxygen saturation less than 88%, especially those with evidence of pulmonary hypertension, core pulmonale, nocturnal hypoxia, or exertional hypoxia. Theophylline does not reduce the risk of COPD exacerbations and can cause tachycardia and other arrhythmias and tremors and even seizures. Oral prednisone is not for long-term use, even for patients with severe COPD. Mucolytic inhaling agents are not recommended as they may worsen bronchospasm, especially if the patient has airway hyperactivity. And oral mucolytic agents, such as mucinex, don't help and in fact work by irritating the stomach. Protein and vitamin D supplements may help maintain weight and strength. Exercise, we recommend long, slow distance walking and weight training can help. Learning pursed-lip breathing, which is breathing against the resistance of partially closed lips, helps. Some patients use flutter valves to exhale against. Learning to breathe from the diaphragm helps. Acute respiratory failure. Treatment of acute respiratory failure with hypoxia or low oxygen levels, 10 to 15 millimeters of mercury from baseline or increase in the PCO2, producing a pH of less than 7.3 with COPD exacerbations, include albuterol nebulizer, 2.5 milligrams in 3 cc's, or 4 to 8 puffs from an MDI inhaler every 20 minutes initially, then hourly, hypotropium inhalation every 4 hours, Empiric treatment with Lasix if edema is present with possible COPD or salt retention with edema is noted. 
We don't use nebulizers in COVID patients and use just the MDI inhalers. We add solumedrol intravenously 60 to 120 milligrams every six hours. Oxygen to maintain saturation 88 to 92% with nasal prongs of any mask will prevent oxygen-induced hypercapnia. We initiate NIV, non-invasive ventilation, with BiPAP, 8 to 15 inspiratory pressure, with 3 centimeters expiratory pressure. If the PCO2 is greater than 45, or the respiratory rate greater than 30. If the BiPAP is helping, the respiratory rate should drop to less than 25 per minute. The PO2, PCO2, and pH should be monitored closely on BiPAP, and the patient should be watched closely for hemodynamic instability, fatigue with work of breathing, which is common in frail patients. Look for altered mental status, increased respiratory secretions, or lack of synchronicity with the ventilator. Mechanical ventilation. Unless the patient has an advanced directive that forbids intubation, intubation and mechanical ventilation should be considered when there's progressive acidosis of less than 7.25 pH, hypercapnia, hypoxemia, of less than 88%, oxygen saturation, not responding to oxygen or treatment, intolerance to BiPAP, altered mental status or lethargy, respiratory muscle fatigue or cardiac instability, hypotension or cardiac arrest. We try to avoid mechanical ventilation in COVID patients. Ventilating settings. SIMV with tidal volume of 6 to 8 milliliters per kilogram of ideal body weight. Respiratory rate of 10 to 12 per minute. Inspiratory flow rate 60 to 80 liters per minute. Increase the inspiratory flow rate if necessary to enable a longer expiratory phase. Gold plateau pressure less than 30 centimeters of water. Peep of 5 centimeters of water. Sputum gram stain and culture should be done. Antibiotics IV especially covering Haemophilus, Strep pneumoniae, Moraxella, and Pseudomonas are given. If there has been an increase in volume of sputum with purulent sputum, fever, or pulmonary infiltrates. Testing for COVID, mycoplasma, and Legionella studies should be considered with bilateral pneumonia. IV magnesium, which acts as a bronchodilator, may be given. Pulmonary emboli, ARDS, pneumonia, and heart failure are causes of refractive persistent hypoxia. Because of the limited lifespan and inevitable deterioration of COPD patients, DNR status and palliative care should be discussed with the patient and family well in advance of the need for them. In patients young enough, referral for lung transplant is an option. We've had three patients do this with great success. Another option may be 
lung reduction surgery. I hope this podcast has been helpful.